So this morning, I have a message for you, and the title of my message is the unique, unique. The unique, unique. I've never preached about the unique before. Uh, the word unique means the only one of its kind. The unique, unique. We are all created in God's image. All you have to do is look around and you see everybody around us is different. And some people are, have, uh, I don't know how to say this delicately, but we only have so many handicapped spots. But the truth is, is that we all are handicapped in some way. And I heard a song, you know, a lot, it's interesting that we, a lot of times we, when we look in the mirror, we're like, like that song where it says, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And I just can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day to know me as to love me. I must be some kind of a man. I Christianize that a little bit. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. And everybody that sings that from their heart probably should also sing this other song that I forgot about. Oh, oh yes, I'm the great pretender. <laughs> Y'all right? You with me? Many, many people, and I wish it didn't happen in church, but it does, and we could run from it or we could not talk about it. But as you know, if you've ever been here before, we uh, tend to talk about things that other people don't talk about. And we are good at judging the flaws in other people. Some of us think that that's our gift. Because we're so spiritual. <laughs> but the truth is that we all have flaws. Everybody say, I have a flaw. <laughs> well, that's good. I, pre I appreciate you saying that with conviction. It makes me feel better about this sermon. <laughs> but we all have things in our lives that we wish was different. We all have things in the way we cre were created and the way we, we were made that we wish it was a little bit different. The truth is, is that throughout the entire Bible, that God doesn't hide the families that have challenges and the families that are uh, uh, not really normal. But really, you ask yourself this morning, what is normal? People say, well, I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. Listen, I don't want to let you down, but what it was before wasn't normal. <laughs> so it's noteworthy that among the family biographies in the Bible, you'll find uh, many dysfunctional families. If your family has a little bit of a problem, or if you have a little bit of dysfunction in your family, you should feel right at home this morning. This isn't for perfect people because we don't live in a perfect world. We don't live in a perfect nation. We uh, don't have a perfect marriage. Now, some of y'all, it's okay. If you think you do, it's okay. I mean, I, I, I commend you for your oversight. <laughs> Our children aren't perfect. Our marriages aren't perfect, and we are not perfect. 
And the longer I get and the closer I try to get to Jesus, because I really try to get closer to Jesus, and it's taken me 67 years to get where I'm at, because I asked Jesus into my heart when I was four years old. I knelt down at a piano bench in my daddy's church, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. But the closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize how far I have to go to be like Jesus. His ways are so much higher than my ways, and his love is so much deeper than my love. His passion is so much more passionate than my passion. He is amazing. I don't know that we could ever comprehend God. Maybe when we get to heaven and we have perfect bodies and a perfect insight and and perfect perspective, we'll be able to understand who God is. I don't think we just, it's almost like we just look through a mirror darkly and it's just dark. You remember Adam and Eve, right? They messed up in paradise. Their first son murdered their second son. You remember Noah. Noah got drunk and naked in front of his kids. Abraham lied about his wife, Sarah, being his sister. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Allowing other men to walk off with her two times. He did this twice. He didn't learn his lesson the first time. (laughs) I know you wish all those other people were here. And he had a child by his wife's maid, Hagar, at his wife's insistence. His wife, oh, take her. Job, a contemporary contemporary of Abraham, and he was the epitome of faith, yet married to a woman who told him, you just need to curse God and die. There's some encouragement for you. (laughs) Jacob. The pathological liar and deceiver married Rachel, who was a kleptomaniac. Well, kind of, I mean, she stole her father's idols. And it's just like, she, huh, you know what a kleptomaniac is, right? As somebody that helps themselves because they can't help themselves. <laughs> These people got problems. Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, slept with his father's Mistress, gracious, Moses had a temper problem and his sister had a jealousy problem and his brother Aaron was weak-willed. He was a, a just like a mealy mouth, mild-mannered man. <laughs> Samson, a judge in Israel, the first real superman. But he was weak-willed. When it came to women, he was like, he was like, Weak. I mean, weak. Strong physically, but weak mentally. Eli, the priest, you remember Eli, gracious, this guy. The priest, he raised two sons that extorted money from people in the tabernacle. Sounds like some preachers. Don't be laughing too hard. A good light always draws a few bugs. (laughs) God was patient with Eli for years, asking him to deal with his sons, but Eli remained complacent, forcing God to remove Eli's family from being priest and replacing him with Samuel, who goes on to raise a family Because Samuel was raised in Eli's home, Samuel raised a family similar to Eli's. What we do reproduces itself. And we really are a product of our environment until we break some chains. And I'm thankful we have a chain breaker. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm not done yet. (laughs) King David, y'all remember him, had several wives. 
the, a son from one marriage raped his half-sister from another marriage. Another son murdered the rapist, and the third son tried to take David's throne from him. There's a dysfunctional family right there. <laughs> another one of David's sons, King Solomon, apparently spent the middle part of his life as a sex addict, had a thousand wives. How are you going to deal with that? I mean, that's not all. You just, all you got to do is just read the Bible. There's an untold number of uh, broken families, prophets. So why do we bring up these familiar family failures from the Bible? Familiar family failures. The scripture highlights God's willingness to work with imperfect families. Can I get an amen out of that? I, I'm telling you, God wants to work with imperfect families because in imperfect families, there are Im, imperfect people. While you may not be able to do a whole lot about your marriage or about the problems, family dynamics, family issues, family problems, you can always do something about you. We have struggling families. We have stressed families these days. And we have good families, good families, bad families, ugly families, good people, bad people, ugly people. It's like, isn't it interesting how pretty people can be ugly people? Good, bad, and ugly. Had a girlfriend like that one time. <laughs> Neither does any church, perfect families like perfect people. They really just don't exist. Perfect people. Listen, God died for imperfect people. He sent his perfect son so that imperfect people could come into his presence and have access to him because he knew that there would be good people in this world, there would be bad people, and there would be ugly people. But he said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you this morning, but rest is something that I believe this world doesn't get enough of. Too many things happening. I don't say that to motivate you to go out and be satisfied with a crummy family life, but to give you hope. One of the reasons a lot of people give up on improving their family life is because they, at some point in time along the way, they lose hope. I want to put hope back in you. I want to put confidence back in you that where you may have failed, God in you can succeed. Negative talk and negative actions, negative talk and destructive actions motivate hopelessness. The first thing we have to do is start speaking good things about our lives and about our families and about our marriages. Stop running ourselves and our spouses and our kids and everybody, all of our problems. Stop talking about all the problems and start talking about the solution to all the problems. He is the solution. <clears throat> I hadn't started preaching yet, so give me a minute. A lot of people throw up their hands and they say, what's the use? There's nothing I can do to make things better. I just want you to know that that is a satanic lie from the pit of hell because there is always something you can do as long as you're breathing. It's never too late to make a right turn off the wrong road. Never too late. Many end up going around self-destructive circles because they believe the devil's lie that they can't change the way they are. And they say, they make this statement, well, that's just the way I am. If that has become a part of your vocabulary, 
and you have said, well, that's just the way I am. I would just, as your pastor and as your counselor this morning, give you a word from Almighty God that just the way you are, God can bring peace to your life, but not as long as you shut out the peace, the Prince of Peace from your life, because peace will change your life. Rest will change your life. God will change your life. Love will change your life. Hope will change your life. God will change you, and we can't be afraid of that change. We must step out in a world that is dark to let our light shine, to walk in the light as he sheds that light on our path. We are not destructive. We are Broke down, but we are not broke out. God's got a plan for us. And his plan is to prosper us, keep us in good health. I believe that. If you're, you can improve your family, whether it is the family you were born with or the family you were adopted into, the family of God, even if you're single, because with God's help, you can improve you. If you're married, you can improve your marriage because you can improve. If you're a parent or a grandparent and you have problems with your kids, your grandkids, your, your in-laws, or your outlaws, <laughs> whoever it is, if you have problems... Whatever, all of these relationships can be improved with God's help. With God, with God, there is always hope. <laughs> so it's whether we're family or the blood-bought family of God, there is always hope and there's always confidence that God is there with us. So I want to get into Acts chapter 8. If you, if you have your Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts is the, the acts of the apostles, the followers, the disciples of Christ. Acts means action. The book of Acts is a book of action. The book of Acts is the, is the, the, the book where the church was birthed. It's, it's where the, the God began to speak through his church. And, and his church is you. The church is the people. This, is a play, this building is a place that God has provided for us to come together and to worship. For those who are watching online, God has given you a place of worship and because you have a place you can invite other peoples to your place of worship because in the beginning they had church in the house and people would come together in the houses and they would break bread together and they would worship together and they would study the scriptures together because he said forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some are he said like don't stop coming together no matter where you're at, don't stop coming together because we need each other. Can you say amen to that? So Acts chapter 8, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, under the, Candake the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem, catch this, he had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning seated in his carriage and he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip went over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Whew. There's a sermon all by itself. It's the cry of our world today. It's the cry of our kids. It's the cry of our spouse. It's the cry of our coworkers. How can I understand unless somebody teaches me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb was silent before his shears, he didn't open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For 
his life was taken from this earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, hey. No, he didn't say hey. (laughs) He said, look, there's some water. Why can't we be baptized? Some versions add, you can, you can if you believe with your heart. And he ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. <clears throat> what a fascinating, wonderful story about a man finding Christ because of his inner hunger and God's willingness. Oh, what about God's willingness to send his servant to this eunuch (laughs) and his ability to send specific revelation through his word and through a faithful spirit-filled witness. The unique eunuch in our society, as in other societies in the past, many judge people by their flaws or self-destructive characteristics rather than by their created virtues. Let me tell you something. You can always find something wrong if you're looking for it. But you can also find something right if you're looking for it. So some of you know what... The word unique means there's no delicate way to get around this. <laughs> when the Bible calls a man a eunuch, it means that, well, it's like when you make a steer out of a bull, you make a gilding out of a stallion. When it comes to horses, we call it brain surgery because they, <laughs> they stop thinking about things they shouldn't ought to be thinking about. And they, it's, it, it, but a eunuch is, is someone that's been castrated. In ancient cultures and kingdoms, they did this in order to reduce his aggression, sex drive, so that he could be trained and trusted to perform certain duties. Eunuchs were men who would never be able to have biological family. That privilege had been taken away from them. They tell me as I studied this that this would happen as a very young child. They didn't marry, they couldn't have children. But my question this morning, does God not have a place at his table for people who've never been married, for people who have been divorced, or for those who have been widowed? Or does he have room at his table for those with physical, spiritual, or mental defects? People with flaws. Does, he, does God have room at his table? I would say a resounding, absolutely, God has a place. Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Their place at God's table is every bit as important as the married or those married or which those who have children or those who have not been able to have children. There are the perfect physical specimens as well as the rest of us who have succumbed, all us men who have succumbed to furniture disease. That's when your chest falls down in your drawers. We probably label someone a eunuch today, but the ancient world wasn't as polite today as in days of the past. Some believe that certain surgery may or can bring peace and contentment. We are, uh, it's an interesting day that we live in, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to joke about this because it is it's tender, but I just want to say this, that 
that how you are and how God made you and how you live your life, let's always take more, put more value on what is in our heart than what we can actually see in the mirror. We need to take care of ourselves just as we need to take care of, of, of our homes or, our, or the places we live or take care of God's property. But m- more importantly, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God values you just the way you are. Is there things in your life that you would like to change? <laughs> Maybe. But I would say this that God values you just the way you are. Don't try to change something in your life so God will love you more because that's impossible. God already loves you as much as he could possibly love you. No matter where you've been or what you've done, God still loves you the same. What the eunuch has taught us is that only through understanding God's love for us, all flawed through all flawed though we are in many different ways, good, bad, or ugly, Jesus is the one who brings peace. For this man's designation, though we would think done, think done against his will, it does reflect a brutality of a bygone error. Even though he had risen to the rank of treasurer for his nation's queen, his wealth and connection to power did nothing to eradicate the shame and the loneliness forced upon him by the times in which he lived. Did you know that you can be around a lot of people and still be lonely? Our world is, and, 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 and I get the mass thing, but we can't even see people who people are these days when they got masks on. And so when it does, it robs us of relationship. The most important thing to God is relationship. So what that means is that we have to work harder to make relationships with people because we have almost become, you know, they used to put masks on to rob the bank because they weren't recognizable, right? So it's important for us, and I'm not getting down on mass, but what I am saying is that we have a bigger job ahead of us because God is all about relationships and we can't let the mask rob us of relationships with people. But we have become, through modern technology, we, if we're not careful, we will lose the connecting power of a face-to-face conversation with people. And, and God, God's called his people to have face-to-face conversations and learn how to, and it's one of the things I put in my kids, I said, if you learn how to talk to people and you respect people and you honor people and you learn how to carry on a conversation with people, the world will always make room for you. It can't always be about the texting and the email and the phone calls. Face-to-face relationships has to be the, the foundation for the church. Because that's the way we show our love for each other. The most. That's just my opinion. When I was rodeoing, when I was single... And I was rodeoing by myself. I remember I I got got to go to the carnival this past week at the fair. Took my granddaughter on a ride. And this spurred of thinking. But I remember walking around a carnival in Greeley, Colorado. And having been completely surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. And I felt so lonely there because I was all by myself. We must look for those people, and I believe that's the reason that God sent Philip to the eunuch, is because God cared about the eunuch. Oh, by the way, mm, this is so good. Did you know that in the Old Testament times that the eunuch couldn't go into the tabernacle? And it would kind of be like somebody standing out in the parking lot because they didn't dress appropriately for church. Now, I know we don't do that here. <laughs> Obviously, we get, we get complaints on Facebook uh, quite regularly that, that they have a problem with the preacher's attire. 
But it'd be like somebody out there in the parking lot going, did you feel the presence of God this morning? How was church? What was the worship service like? How was the singing? What, what did the preacher preach about? Because I really want to know what's going on in there, but, but they won't let me come in there. And I dare say that there's people out there that would love to come to this church, but they're just waiting for somebody to invite them because they're really not sure what happens at a cowboy church. <laughs> they're looking for somebody to love them enough to catch up with them, to be intentional with them. When other people said that the eunuch was flawed, God handpicked a servant and dispatched his angel to the remoteness of the desert to intersect with a searching man at precisely the right moment. This is such a big deal to me that God got a hold of Philip. He said, there's somebody out in the desert that's seeking after me, and I love that man. And he's been told that he was a freak. He's been told and made fun of in the, in the, in the, in the castle where he serves People have made fun of him because of the way he looks, because of the pitch of his voice, because of all these things that have happened to him. But I've got a place for him in my kingdom. Please, Philip, go to the desert. And, and there's, a, there's a chariot out there. More importantly, there's a man who needs to know, even though he's lonely, even though he doesn't understand life. He went to the temple worship. It doesn't tell us whether he got into the temple or not. But he went there and he was studying the word because it was valuable to him to know what the word of God said. But he didn't understand it because he didn't have anybody to instruct him in the word. He was illiterate, although he knew it, was reading it. So isn't that what illiterate means? Is you don't understand it or does that mean you can't read it? Okay, I'm wrong. <laughs> he could read it, but he didn't understand it. But God valued him. That's my point. <laughs> the good news about Jesus was not, is not just good for people. Oh, by the way, <laughs> the Gentiles couldn't get in there either. Uh, foreigners couldn't get in there either. Uh, there was a lot of people couldn't get there when, and when I say there, please understand, I'm saying that was where the presence of God was. Not very many people was able to go in. And we, have, we still have religions today. One of them's in Salt Lake City, Utah. You can't get into that temple because you're a Gentile. But here's what Jesus said. He said, come unto me, all you who are weak and weary, heavy laden, I'll let you come into my presence. Because when I went to the cross as a sinless sacrifice, I became sin for you so that you could come into the presence of Almighty God. I have a place for you, even though you may be a eunuch, even though you may be flawed, even though you may have some problems in your life and you wish you were different, I see you as valuable in my kingdom and I will go to great lengths to let you know that I have given you access to me. That's the, that's the kind of God I want to serve. That's the kind of God I want to serve. My goodness, we're running out of time. <laughs> Jesus said, anyone who does God's will is my brother and my sister. Eunuchs weren't even allowed to enter the outer court. At best, he could only wait outside the walls of the temple and try to peek through the knot holes. So here's what he was reading. In Isaiah... The preceding verses, I'm sure he read these. He says, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us. Talking about Jesus. This is a prophetic word about Jesus and his sacrifice and who he was. There was nothing to attract us to. By the way, did you catch this? It wasn't Jesus' looks that attracted. Because like when we do movies about Jesus, we always find Pretty men, if that's possible. I don't. You with me? I mean, like, I've never seen a pretty man. <laughs> but 
They try to find good-looking men, but here's what it says: there was nothing about him that was his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. Don't you think this eunuch was able to identify with Jesus? <laughs> he was despised and we did not care. Verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep to the silent sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. Jesus didn't have a, bio, a biological family. I don't care what the Da Vinci Code says. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay? This is good news not only for the eunuch, but also for us who have experienced family bro brokenness in life. Other people may have done things to mar or to scar you. You may have done things to create a destiny for yourself that you despise. You may be the victim of verbal or physical abuse. Your, your parents or spouse may have deserted you. Addictions may have ruined your relationships, but no one can keep you from becoming a part of God's family. And no one can keep you from having spiritual children by spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. You have a family when you have Jesus. Uh, Y'all know who Charles Barkley is, right? The the basketball player. He's kind of a, he's he's kind of a, uh, I don't know how to say that. He's he's kind of mouthy a little bit, real blunt. But he said something the other day that made sense to me. He said that everybody in our society is bent on making us not like each other. Whether it's the, 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 the Democrats or the Republicans, they, the, the Republicans don't want you to like the Democrats and the Democrats don't want you liking the Republicans. The, the, they don't, the, our, our, many of our politicians, if you're, if you're black, they don't want you liking white people and if you're white, they don't want you liking black people. They, they, they want turmoil. And our, our media thrives on stirring up hate. And stirring up, don't like this. And they thrive on this. And, and, it's, and it's become the mode of the day in our society. The, the eunuch grew up in this type of society that they didn't have any respect for certain people. I heard a story a long time ago about a, you know how they train elephants. The circus people, they got a little, when, when, a, when an elephant is born, he's, he's a little bitty elephant. They're all little when they're born. <laughs> and they put a chain around their front leg and they, they, uh, they teach them that that uh, that they can't go past that chain, and they say that when an elephant grows up and he has all that, and he everybody say elephant's got a great memory. So they say that that it doesn't matter if you have a rope around their 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 leg or whatever that that they won't try that once they realize that they can't break that chain that they, they, they don't ever do anything about it because they're, 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 they're resigned to the fact that they're chained up and there's nothing they can do about it. And every once in a while, you, you read about it, every once in a while, you get an elephant that breaks away. Yeah. And he's like, I don't need that anymore. And I'm like, 
I'm not going to have that. And then, then he goes, and after that, he gets stupid. But <laughs> Just because he doesn't know what to do because he's never been free before. Some of, you, some of you kids, when you leave the house, you're the same way. First year in college. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. All you old people understand what I'm talking about too. Don't be laughing about them kids. Y'all been through it too. But every once in a while, every once in a while, out of all the elephants that just stay chained, every once in a while, and there's going to be an elephant that's going to break away. And I'm just... Like the eunuch, he knew there was something. There, was, there had to be something about God that he didn't understand. And Philip showed up and he showed him that, hey, Jesus was, he came to earth and he had, he wasn't beautiful like people think that he was, that, that anybody should desire him. But the beauty that came from him was that he loved people. And it didn't matter what their flaws was. It doesn't, didn't matter to him where they'd been or the, the abuse that they had had as a child or the, how they, the, the, what they've grown up with, what their parents told them, that, that you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be good enough. And, and you're, you're just ugly or, or, you, or you're so good you don't need Jesus. Yeah. Never once in a while, somebody breaks away. They said, I don't know what's going on down there at that cowboy church, but I'm going anyway. I just, I got to show up. Something is happening down there, and the presence of God is there, and people's lives are changed because somebody didn't buy into the garbage that the world was, was feeding them out there that you'll never change, that you need to do what we tell you to do. Freedom, if you want freedom... If you want freedom, you're going to have to break some chains because our world today wants a bunch of puppets. And here's what God says. God says, stand fast in the freedom wherein Christ has made you free. You might be in prison on the outside, but you can always be free on the inside. But there's people that choose to be in prison on the inside who are not free on the outside because of addictions, because somebody told them something that wasn't a lie, that you'll never be good enough, that you can't have kids and you're not good, or you, you got this, this problem or you got that problem. Let me tell you something. I want some chains to be broken this morning because I came as a, as a messenger from God and God values you more than he values anybody or anything or anything that you can do for him. He values you. And walk away from this building with your head held high, knowing that God has a plan for you and he has a place. He's prepared a place for you. He's not just talking about it. He's actually doing something about it. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Oh, we, we get excited about this stuff. You're such a wonderful Savior, such a wonderful Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are making a place that you have, have just gone so far out of your way, just like Philip went out of his way to do what you asked him to do. Help us to grow a church full of people who are willing to go out of their way to speak to those who are, are downtrodden or hurting or that, that have been fed the lies of this world. Help us, Lord. Break some chains this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. The scripture says that we have all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. It also says that the wages of sin is death. And what that means is, is that we, if we choose to live in the lie, that we are earning the wages of sin. And ultimately, the wages of sin is death. 
But then he says the gift of God, it's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift, you will never experience the benefit of a gift until you accept that gift. God has given you the power of a choice to accept his gift or to reject his gift. And simply put, by not doing anything, you are not accepting him. You are actually rejecting him. So the, the challenge that we have is not to live in our own flaws or to let our flaws keep us from the Savior who died for our flaws. So my goal for you today is that you would find Christ as your personal Savior because he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone open, I'll come, on, come and be with him. So this morning, if you've never accepted him as your Savior, maybe if you haven't, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my life. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Yep, thank you. Thank you, baby. Leave your hand up. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. Don't be ashamed. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Thank you, honey. Yep. Yeah, you can put your hand down once you get your Bible. Anybody else? One more? Did you? Did you right here, girl. Yeah, one more. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Slip your hand up high. Anybody? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand, would you mind looking up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Come on up. Let me pray with you. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Come on, buddy. Yep, thank you. I'm proud of you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Bless your heart. I'm so proud of you, girl. Bless you. Thank you. Hey, bless your heart. Just stay here. Let me pray with you. Come on, buddy. <laughs> I love you, buddy. Anybody else? So here's the deal. I want to pray with y'all. Because really, this isn't about me at all it's about this is between between you and jesus okay so what i want to do is help you invite him to come into your heart can you do that so so y'all re, just repeat after me y'all help us too just repeat after me just say dear lord jesus, dear lord jesus thank you for loving me thank you for dying on the cross for my sins lord i am a sinner please forgive me i invite you into my heart I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible. Help me to pray. Help me to show up for church. Help me to get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> I'm proud of you guys. Listen, go visit, go visit these guys over here for just a second if you don't mind. I love you, buddy. Thank you. Bless you, girl. Um, I have to go back to my daddy. He okay. doesn't want me going somewhere over there. Okay, okay. That's fine. Thank you. Yeah. Stand with me, please. Sometimes the smallest move in the right direction can create the greatest destiny. The smallest move in the right direction can start a great destiny. Sometimes we have to let go of, someone called it stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. And sad to say, no, no, uh, no, no, uh, nothing against your mom and dad, but sometimes mom and dads say things that may not be completely right. My name is Randy Weaver, I'm a dad, and I've said some things to my kids that I wish I wouldn't have said. 
So we have to make up our mind that we're going to listen to our Heavenly Father because He never says anything that's wrong. And that was a beautiful part about the eunuch was that he, they didn't have Bibles like we have today. It wasn't just like everybody gets one. Back then, it was a very expensive thing to actually own the written word of Isaiah. It cost him a lot of money, but he valued it enough. And because it, it was valuable to him, he actually read it. Because we will do anything we want. Because somebody said, we always have time to do the things that are most important to us. I'm waiting for a big old amen out of that. I said, we always find time because everybody has the same amount of time. I'm pretty sure I don't have time. Yes, you do. You got time. Because everybody has the same amount of time. It's just what we think is important, how we spend our time. So, the, how many of you just be really, really honest with us and say, I've allowed some things in my life to get me in a rut and for me to just accept the rut. I've been hurt by church people or I've been hurt by my family or I've been hurt by the devil or I've been hurt by myself and I've told myself things. And, and I've got to only listen to God and to what he says about me. Raise your hand. I got to do that this morning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Let's all raise both hands. Surrender to God. Lord, you see our hands. Lord, we are people who need a Savior. We're people who need you as our guide and as our, our director in life, oh God. I pray that you would give us your heart. May we be doers of the word. May we study the word and then may we do the word and be able to follow you closer, oh God. Help us to understand that you value us. And that's the reason that you went to the cross is because you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son that if we would believe in you and we would accept you as our savior, that we'd be saved. So today we do that and we thank you for it. Bless your church, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I love y'all. Thank you so much. God bless you. Got a prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.